0: Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Gail Aldwin, author of the novel This Much Huxley Knows. Gail, welcome to the podcast.
1: Yes, good to be here. Thank you.
0: Sure. Well, if someone hasn't yet heard about your new novel, This Much Huxley Knows, how would you describe the novel?
1: It's got a young narrator. So the narrator is seven years old, and that's the Huxley of the title. Um, so it gives a new perspective on the f- follies of adults, really. It's set um, just after the Brexit referendum in a London suburb. So it's a time of community tensions, and it's Huxley's unique take on that. He's also a very lonely boy, um, and when a new arrival to the community comes in, he can see the loneliness in this other person. Now, This other person is a, an ol- older disabled man. And because of the problems with Brexit, um, there's a lot of suspicion around, and the parents and the community are very suspicious of this new arrival. But Huxley senses uh, Leonard's loneliness because he experiences himself. So it's an exploration of intergenerational friendship, too.
0: And do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to writing This Much Huxley Knows?
1: I was always interested in intergenerational friendships because from my own experience, I used to really, my, my next door neighbor, when I was growing up, her dad, you know, I used to really get on with him really well. And it seems a pity now. I mean, I'm all for child protection, obviously, but there sure, is a lot yeah. of barriers to children engaging with adults that are not directly connected with their family. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a balancing act, isn't it? I mean, obviously you want children to be safe, but it seems a pity to me that, you, that it's so difficult for children to have these intergenerational friendships that I, for one, really valued.
0: Sure, that, that makes a lot of sense. I'm curious, what was your writing journey that led you to writing and getting your first novel published?
1: Well, my first novel was called The String Games, um, and that took a very long time to write. So that story, it's a three-part novel. It's a coming-of-age novel, and it's about uh, a young boy that goes missing during a family holiday in France, and it's told from the viewpoint of his older sister. So we meet her first at the time that he goes missing when she's 10 years old, and then we meet her again in the middle part of the novel when she's... um, vulnerable young person due to this experience of loss, and then again at 23 when she's able to address issues of unresolved grief. So that was a very different story to Huxley, but Huxley came out of the string games because I so enjoyed writing about this young boy. He had only had a very small part in it because very soon into the novel he got he got lost. <coughs> um, and so I, I just really enjoyed um, writing about him that I wanted to do that more and I thought oh, I'll I'll try writing from the perspective of a seven-year-old and that was quite challenging to start off with and my writing group said oh you'll never sustain that for the whole length of a novel and I thought you know tell me I can't do something and I'll really (laughs) want to give it a go and so I was determined to make it work Um, and once I got the voice I was there but getting into the voice of a seven-year-old is quite a challenge because obviously a seven-year-old child is at the other end of the scale from me. I'm an older woman writer. Um, but it had its advantages too because I was never tempted to write in my own voice. I always had to get into the mind of Huxley to write. So it had it had its challenges and its um, good side as well.
0: And. And what was that process like for you of writing from the perspective of a young narrator? Did you uh, were you were you researching even like pop culture references, or what 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 were there any things that anything that you did to kind of think about and get yourself into that mindset so that it was um, somewhat authentic?
1: Well, I read a lot of novels that used young narrators. Now there, there are a huge number of them about, but there are some quite popular ones. You may remember Room by Emma Donahue, which was made into a film. So that had a five-year-old narrator that was based on the Joseph Fritzl case in Austria where the man imprisoned his daughter in a cellar and had lots of children by her. Um, and so that that was the sort of Emma Donahue was inspired by the younger boy when he got got into freedom. Um, and it was later made into a film. So I, I looked at her techniques, and she has an interesting technique that she uses in that book, where the young narrator drops all the definite and indefinite definite articles. So he says, room, um, mug, rug. He doesn't use the or a at all, because it sort of underlines the singularity of his existence in this 11-foot-by-11-foot room. And I thought that was a really good technique. Um, and I wondered what, I, what kind of technique I could use. Obviously, I couldn't use that one because it was a completely different context. And then I read a book by uh, Christopher Wakeling uh, where he has a young narrator about six years old, a boy. And this character, he hears the adult talk and then when he reproduces it, he makes lots of mistakes, particularly with things like idioms. So instead of saying a different kettle of fish, he'd say a different cuttlefish. Instead of saying it drives him to distraction, he says, "Oh, it drives him to destruction." And I thought, "Well, that was kind of a neat thing to do." Um, and I wondered if I could use that. Um, so I started thinking about it, and I obviously didn't want to copy the technique. But then I came up with a sort of had a light bulb moment when I thought, "I know what I'll do." Huxley is a very lonely boy, so let's have him try and make jokes by corrupting words. So when he's in class and learning to read by breaking down words into syllables. He calls them silly balls.
0: Sick of being upsold at gyms.
1: When he's, uh, you know, and, and there's lots of other examples of how he sort of changes words to try and make them funny. He overhears his parents talking about being sarcastic, and he calls it st- uh, starcastic. and <laughs> And there's several things that, you know, bring humor to the novel. And early readers have said, well, one early reader said, you know, it's ages and ages since I last found myself chuckling at a book. So, I think the humor in it works, but I had so many, I had so much fun with these words. It was a, so, you know, playing around with words is a lot of fun. And I'd shoved so many of these corrupted words into the novel, that by the time I'd finished it, I had to like weed so many of them out <laughs> because, um, I was obviously having too much fun with them.
0: <laughs> so what was your writing process when you were working on the novel? were you uh did you write uh an outline extensively before you began or were you kind of just uh seeing where the the narrative took you
1: no this novel i plotted to the oomph degree because (laughs) my previous novel the string games it was i just wrote from the seat of my pants and um it took me five years to complete that novel so it was it was I wasted so much time writing stuff that I didn't need. Although people say no writing is ever wasted. And actually you can recycle things. I'm very much into recycling things that you do cut. So you can sometimes take your cut, cut bit of a story that's cut out and work it into a piece of short a short story or a piece of short fiction. Um but no, I plotted this one really carefully and I had this sort of amazing grid that I'd worked out so you could see where the subplot and the um, plot sort of dovetail together. And I stuck to it about 80%, I would think, and then about 20% was sort of things that happened as I went along.
0: Well, given your your success with writing This Much Huxley Knows and then your first novel, uh, what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories and novels?
1: I think for a novel, uh, what I've learned this time around is you have to keep on working at the novel. When you think it's finished, it's not. <laughs> it's difficult to know when something is really finished. Um, but I found that I w- I probably submitted this novel um, too early. Um, and when I did find a publisher, I found I had loads more work to do on it. Um, so I, my my rule of thumb now is that A novel isn't ready until you can virtually recite every word of it.
0: And what novels or nonfiction books have you read recently that you enjoyed?
1: Um, Well, I read a lot of the the books with young narrators. I read a lot of books that are written by friends and people that I know. So um, I'm just reading at the moment a, a narrative memoir from somebody who's in a writing group that I'm belonging to that's called Deary. It's by Bruce Dodgson. Um, lots of fiction things. Um, I just I try to read out, read out of my comfort zone. So I read a vampire novel before that, and that was by Paula R.C. Reidman. It's called Seeking the Dark. And actually, I was surprised. It would be nothing that I would have perhaps chosen uh but i think it does you good to read out of your comfort zone i actually really enjoyed it i found the characters really intriguing had a really really strong uh vampire character in it which i thought i wouldn't like because i thought i'd find it too gory but not in (laughs) that book
0: well you've mentioned several times your writing group can you tell us a little bit about that and how it works
1: well the writing group meets once a month um Obviously, much more difficult in lockdown. So, um, I haven't been for a very long time, but I do have collaborative groups uh, that I meet up with. So, I've got uh, two other writers and we meet together to write comedy sketches together. And we were able to do that all through lockdown. And even before that, actually, I feel like we were slightly ahead of the game um, because um, before lockdown, I was actually living in Uganda. Um, I went there as a volunteer to a refugee settlement. Um, in the north of Uganda called Bidi Bidi, and they took. Uh, they were host to refugees from South Sudan. And although I didn't do any of my own independent writing while I was there because it was such an intense experience, I still carried on writing collaboratively because the internet worked so well and we could um, talk on WhatsApp and then we use an online scriptwriting um, facility called Writer's Duet, which is really good so we could all look at the script simultaneously and we could all edit it at the same time as well
0: and how how do you receive the feedback that you get through your writing group did it impact your uh writing and editing of this much huxley knows
1: yes um i ha- i had a lot of feedback i mean they they were really good at, at certain points because i was worried about um the jeopardy in the novel, and they, and, and I didn't think there was enough of it. And what they suggested that I did, that I just um, made it peak more, uh, so I've heightened the jeopardy in it. It was all in, it was all in the novel, but I just hadn't highlighted enough. So things like that is really useful. You know, because I, I was struggling to see, they were telling me I needed more Jeopardy. I just didn't know how to do it. <laughs> and then, then they said, well, why don't you just, you know, you use what you've got and just heighten it. So so that's what I did. And it's it's worked out really well. And, you know, the readers, I've been so delighted with um, the early reviews that I've had. It was on a blog tour last week. And I was so thrilled with the feedback from the book bloggers because these are really experienced readers. And they found it, you know, a unique way of telling a story, and they all absolutely adored Huxley.
0: That's great. Well, where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you and your novels?
1: Well, I've got a blog, which is gailordwin.com, and all the novel information is on there. I've also got a page on Amazon, which is Gail Ordwin, and the books are available online and through Barnes & Noble.
0: Great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Gail Aldwin, author of the novel This Much Huxley Knows. The book is on sale now, so go buy a copy. And Gail, thanks for doing this interview.
1: Great. Thank you so much.
0: Great. Sick of being upsold at gyms.